the Fire Protection Roundtable. Yeah, so welcome to the Fire Protection Roundtable, Episode 5. My name is Bear Lewis. I have with me Mike Bono. I have I have Tyson Matitis, and I have Eric Dutcher. Dutcher, yep. Very, very nice to meet you. Eric is a veteran in the sprinkler fitter trade. That's really- scary. That's scary. Because I can remember when I was a young gun, you know what I mean? I used to be the hot young guy. Now I'm the old guy. <laughs> so I, when I came to this company real quick, I, I met up with Eric. We became we became buddies and he's kind of a mentor to me. Showed yeah. me around, showed me around the block, showed me a couple things. Uh, he's, he's seen a lot. He knows, he knows, he knows his shit. Where did you guys meet? Uh, at work. Doing sprinklers. In Boston. Mike's, Mike's like a young version of me. He's uh, aggressive, fast, wants to get the job done, wants to do it the right way, you know, yeah. like I was. Young family. I had a young family at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, when you see somebody who's like you, you know, a young family guy and, you know, a hard worker and stuff, you want to show them as much as you can and, you know, just yeah. show them the ropes of the company and, and yeah. you know, your experience. Yeah. How long? So how long have you guys known each other? Four or five years at least. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good, good yep. amount of time. Four well, years. How, how's the work week been, Eric? Mine is hectic. <laughs> I was at four different jobs today. So Today? Today alone. I had to uh, go to one job, turn the system off for the demo guys, then come back, turn it on. Uh, I had to oh. go, had to run a drain out for a, uh, a ball drip coming off the fire department connection. You know, it was just small half-inch pipe that, you know, took less than an hour. Um, okay. Then what else did I, I had to, I had to just bring my material to the job for the next day, which okay. is tomorrow. And I just had to discuss with one of my guys, um, running some new three inch in a parking garage where they're adding steel. So we had to, um, I had to change it. Obviously the engineers don't always see everything. So right. had to change it and re-engineer it and just had to show my guys what to do. And so you just got back. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's how it is. <laughs> you just got back and now you're doing a podcast. That's it. That's it. You got to stay busy, man. One of the one of our guests, he said, Logo Hills on episode two, he said, uh, idle hands, man, they're really bad. <laughs> yeah. We got we to gotta stay busy as men. It's super important. So true. Life is just so much better when it's busy. You got that right. You know, when I'm working, I'm getting more work. So um, I like that, Eric. How did you get into the industry? Who introduced you to it? What sparked your interest? So uh, my stepfather actually runs a business. He's the vice president of uh, another sprinkler company, not the sprinkler company I work for. Um, basically, he saw my report card my freshman year in high school and uh, goes, "Oh, it looks like you're going to be a sprinkler fitter." Wow. So <laughs> that's how that's how that went. But um, you know, it took. You know, I, I didn't start it till I was 25. Um, okay. All right. You know, he got me into it. Obviously, I worked at a shop beforehand, you know, so I knew about the materials. I could thread pipe. You yeah. know, I knew I knew some stuff before I got in there. Yeah. Which yeah. helps, I believe. Did you like it at first? I loved it. Still love it. I So here's another part of the story. I actually own part, I'm part owner of a restaurant. Oh, hallelujah. What kind of restaurant? So it's a barbecue restaurant up oh here. Oh my gosh. This is, so, this is, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, it's tough because the restaurant's going really well, but so is my sprinkler career, but I love sprinklers so much. 
that I stay doing this um, wow. instead of working there full time. I just, I don't know, you know, you get 23 years invested, you know, obviously with your retirement and everything else, you know, I, I don't want to give it up yet. What do you love about it so much? Um, I love, I Coming love to that. work and seeing me. Yeah, the, I was going to say the guys. <laughs> obviously, who doesn't like working with like good guys? You know what I mean? If you can't joke around at the job, but I mean, what are you going to do? True. You're going to, you're going to go out of your mind. So um, I, I really enjoy the guys. Um, I enjoy the work that I, I, it's going to sound corny, but I mean, it does save lives, right? It does. We are in the business of saving lives. So we can't be like other trades and, you know, half-ass do something. We have to do everything the right way the first time um, because if not, something could fail for the firefighters or, you know, somebody's life could be in danger. So mm -hmm. I uh, take a lot of pride in my work and uh, I, I like that it actually means something. I'm not just, you know, hanging sheetrock for a wall. Yep. Love so, it. So before, well said. before you did sprinkler fitting or before you were introduced to it, did you have an idea of anything else that you wanted to do or, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I would say I was in the restaurant business. So I was a bartender, you know, I, was, I, I thought I was just going to go and do that. You know, I was a cook, this was manager. Like, this, this was like 18 to 23. Yeah, that's, I mean, so my first job was catering. Um, mm. Mm. And I was 16 at the time. I started off as a dishwasher, you know, worked my way up to a cook. You're going with you the know. flow. Yeah, just, just worked my way up like anything else. And, um, you know, when you get an opportunity to do sprinklers, especially with the amount of money we pay, get paid and everything it, it, it's like it, it's a no-brainer mm -hmm. um it, it just isn't and it's fast paced i'm a fast paced type guy obviously yeah. if i was a line cook and i was a bartender you know i, I don't like to sit around um Same. so i mean i did go to college but college wasn't for me mm. yes college is something a lot of people do because they feel like they have to and i feel like so many people would be better off if they would have just started off as sprinkler fitters instead of going to college because now they're still paying debt right to the yeah. trade yeah so the restaurant who who does the the uh the sprinkler work in the restaurant <laughs> you know what i do it actually okay so <laughs> okay. Was, okay we had a freeze up i had i had three sprinkler heads break just this winter really? and i did all the work and i'm like hey take this off of my uh take this off of my rent <laughs> so that's crazy yeah and then i told them then i had to tell them where the you know where the wind was coming from where the you know, where the cold air is coming from. I'm like, dude, you got to fix this vent right here. Mm. No, whatever. <laughs> Take, I mean, <laughs> taking care of the building that you're renting yeah. in. The firefighters didn't even shut off the valve correctly. They had to shut it off in the street because the OSNY was, um, you know, it doesn't get exercised. Uh -huh. So they couldn't even close the OSNY, these guys. I had to mm. go in there with an 18 inch wrench, close the four inch mm. OSNY. Yeah. You know, can you, just, wow. can you explain to the listeners what an OSNY valve is? Yes. So it is, the best way to explain it is it is the valve with the stem. So when I teach other students this, I always tell them when the stem is up, it means it's open. When the stem is down, it means it's closed. The problem is, is if they do not get exercised, they will not cold, uh, close correctly. So that's when you have to throw a wrench on it. We've all been there. Eight inch, 18. I, where I'm doing the um, shut off, uh, turn on and shut off is an eight, eight inch OSMY. It's got buildup in there. Won't let it shut all the way. Yep. In Vegas, the packing inside the open stem and yoke gets so dry rotted and old. You'll close an OS and Y valve. And then when you go crack it back open to fill that system, 
that valve is going to start leaking. Yes. And every time you come back, close it and do your work for the day and reopen it, it leaks a little bit more and a little bit more. And then eventually it's like a constant flow. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Hey, I got a service job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's the price. What's going to cost to replace the OS and Y valve. And it's a, it's an expensive bill. You can it only is. tighten the packing. Not so many times. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Eric, do you have any crazy FDC stories? Uh, Yes, I do, actually. I mean, let's <laughs> say it was the test header. I was testing a fire pump, right? I'm about, I would say about two and a half year apprentice. Maybe it's like my second uh, fire pump test. You know, it's right beside the FDC. Um, it had six outlets on it. Does everybody remember rustabouts? Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, like slip couplings. They got the little teeth inside. They're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to be the hottest new thing in the 70s and 80s. It holds plain and pipe together. Yes. Supposed yep. to you know save us uh, you know save the company's money. No. Nope. So we're doing a test, <laughs> and um, we got two hoses out. Next thing you know, I just step to the right. Next thing you know, one of the fire hose valves goes flying about fifty yards down the street oh where I was just God. standing, and I'm like, "What I'm just guessing. happened here?" So that thing would have blown right into my chest. I would have been oh, all yeah. gone. Easy. You know, two and a half years in. So Ooh. I sp- I spent the next week hammer drilling. It was a you know uh, six inch with six outlets on it and it was it was uh poured into the cement of the building whoa with a hammer drill i had to take that thing out it wasn't fun but i'm still here so nothing happened wow and have you ever you've met tyson or this is your first time meeting tyson this is my first time and you're in vegas i live in las vegas yes nice so your 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 world is totally different from ours because you're not dealing with freeze ups or any of that stuff huh we do have antifreeze loops and we do have dry systems we oh really we get we get, we get freezing here absolutely oh I didn't, I didn't know that i didn't know that either i just learned something so okay. do you get like a cold spell where you guys are out 24 hours a day say fixing systems and everything it's it's very rare uh some of these old buildings they don't have insulation on the deck or mm. the heat's turned off the building's not occupied yeah. And it'll get pretty cold in the matic spaces. And there's a lot of systems that are still wet systems. They never got they never got transitioned over into a propylene glycol system or a dry system. And you'll have cast iron fittings that will crack. Those will be the first ones to go. The 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 new fittings to, today, the malleable fittings, you know, they don't really they expand and contract. It's really hard to crack a malleable fitting. But cast iron, uh, as we all know, you'll put a 90 on an arm over and you'll tighten it down with a wrench on that rigid 300 and it'll, you can tighten it enough, it'll crack. And it'll split the fitting in two parts. Yep. yep. So it's cast iron that usually goes here. What is, for the listeners, a rigid 300? It's a pipe machine. That's the, uh, that's the tool of the trade. That's the old girl. They're, they're portable. <laughs> they come on a tripod and the tripod usually can be folded up and you can slide it in the back of your, your truck and you can pull it out and set it up. And it has a, a die head on it with a carousel that has a threader and then a cutter. Mm. And uh, usually put an oil bucket underneath of it with a handheld oil pump that you can pump on the threads. So you can oil the threads as the machine is threading the actual pipe. Mm. If you work for a really high end company, they buy you one of them self oiling machines, which are uh, <laughs> top of the line. <laughs> But I yeah. think we all learned with the handheld oil pump, hmm. or still or using you just it. Put a five-gallon bucket under your machine, and you take a 
old soda can and you dip it in oil and you <laughs> pour the oil on the machine. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> well, but Eric, Rigid is a brand okay. and Mike's wearing the hat that says fitter and that actual font that says fitter is the Rigid font. Mm. So they just changed the wording to fitter. So yeah, it this, has that red, that has that red line underneath the bit, and everybody that knows this industry knows what that exactly what that is. This font and this line that usually says font. rigid. Yep. Yeah. And so change it to fitter, and I love it. That's why that hat's so cool, is because he's he's taking these these everyday you know <laughs> logos that we see every day, and he's turning it into a brand. Yep. Here we go, talking about sprinkler life again, man. I tell I you spoke, what, I spoke to him on the phone yesterday and told him he's blowing up on here. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> And he was like, dude, I, I'm, I'm so interested in, uh, you know, having an episode. So oh, dope. he'd probably be a cool oh, yeah. guy to talk to. I've never physically seen what he looks like. He's a mystery. mystery. Yeah, and he, he lives in Canada. So nice. He's Canadian. I bet he watches basketball. <laughs> a lot of, lot of uh, brothers from the north. Their <laughs> prices are double. I sent, the, I sent an apprentice an Amazon link of one of, on my tool pouch. It was double the price on Amazon in, in Canada. Yeah. Is that crazy? I've, I've sent a couple hat pins there, and uh, dude, it costs like twenty dollars to send a little hat pin this big. Looks wow. just like this. Yeah, yeah. You can see it? You can see it? Oh, wrong side. See it on my hat? I got you one, Dutch. It's a little nice pendant. So, oh, Eric, what is going on this week? I got to go bail them out tomorrow, right? Where am I going tomorrow, yeah. Dutch? Yeah, uh, we're going to Somerville. You know, next town over from uh, Boston. Got a um, old warehouse that turned into um, a post office. So they're putting up brick walls everywhere, concrete. And then they're, um, you know, it's an old system, old, you know, they got a, uh, I want to say it's, it's threaded eight inch also (laughs) coming into the building. One system for a whole warehouse. It's unbelievable. So we have to, uh, you know, plug off some of the half inch heads, drill in some new mechanical tees, drop down about eight feet. We're going to put some whips in Mm. some flex heads, some, Flexible hoses with head sprinkler heads in them hmm. for the ceiling and uh, demo some pipe out of the way. Dope. This is where I'm going tomorrow. Yes. This is gonna so, make some good content. Do you uh, <laughs> do you use Victolic flex drops? Uh, yeah, we use uh, Victolic and we use all three of them. So our controller of our business is very thrifty. So whatever he can get the most of for the cheapest money is what he's gonna get. And then you know. When they put it into the job specs, they just change it from reliable or Victolic or flex heads. We try not to use so much, but thrifty is a great word. Yes. For the, for the listeners, this podcast is not sponsored by Victolic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day. Maybe one Eric, day. Maybe one day. Yep. Eric, what is I know some. Role? I know some Victolic guys. We could probably talk to them. Sure, I do. I, do, I got a, a rep here in Vegas, so there you go. Eric, okay. what is your role at the company? And and name, name name the company that you work for again. All right. So I work for Carlisle Engineering. They're one of the oldest um, sprinkle companies in Boston. They started in 1955. Wow. Okay. Um, so they're legit. Uh, they're one of the best. Um, when I first got in, my father actually put me there on purpose because he knew they did everything. So they wanted, he wanted me to learn. Mm. Um, so I've been doing it for 23 years. I started off, you know, just doing installs with... Um, Guys on big jobs. Then uh, one of the day workers slash service vans guys got a hold of me. Um, I started doing work with him and I kind of became like the service apprentice. Mm. So I was doing a lot of work with those guys. And then uh, as soon as I got out of my time, they gave me a van. 
And uh, now I do day work, service. Um, I run guys. I have like, say, usually I have five to seven jobs going on at a time. Well, wow. I have a couple guys there. My boss lets me, you know, run my own crews and I just do what he tells me to do. And I lock so you're up. In the service. You're in the service department. Correct. Okay. So I do a little bit. Yeah. But I'm more of a day worker not just service. Like, so I, so our service department and our construction department just divided up in the aspect of the guys who have vans. So a lot of the service guys is five of them now that are doing all the testing and everything where I've been uh, put to the side where all the construction mostly is. I mean, I go and, you know, do finals with people and work, walk with the fire department, do a lot of that stuff, but I'm not going out there and doing the um, testing so much only okay. when they need me to. What is something that you think you see a lot in new guys that you would want to tell them while they're starting or before they start? Get off your phone. Phones, <laughs> Put your phones. phone in your pocket. Phones. Yep. Don't, don't we all want to say that to them? Um, you know, I just try to, I try to, so, so when I'm teaching that. the new guys, I try to teach them to uh, be a step ahead of me. Yeah. But yeah, for them to be a step ahead of me, I have to explain what we're doing that day. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of fitters don't explain to whether it's their fitters that are below them or the um, apprentices that what we're doing that day. And I think if everybody knows what we're trying to accomplish that day, we get mm-hmm. the job done faster. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm always about trying to get the job done faster yep. so I can get home earlier. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's the truth. Yeah. Tailgate meetings the before you truth. start work. I was going to yeah. ask. I was going to communication. Ask. Communication is, is probably the, the biggest or best tool that you have in your tool bag. Yeah. Yep. Yes, absolutely. I was going to ask how you, how you do the meetings prior to, or how does everybody actually know? Because I know there's tailgate meetings you can have, but are people paying attention? Are they really acquiring the information that's being said? You know, how do we, how do we know that these people are, for me, uh, you notice somebody by their, you know, if some, you know, if someone's going to last, you look at somebody and you can see in their body language, you can see in their sense of urgency, uh, if they want to learn or if they're just there, cause they're just trying to make a little bit of cash. So, um, man, isn't it crazy that even if you show a little bit of urgency that you stick out among the crowd, (laughs) that is so true. Yeah. Just showing up, man. Yeah. Every, every single day on time, you're literally above the 90%. That's crazy to me. That baffles me. You know, attentive on time. Yeah. Can't beat it. I I try to tell them, I go, it's not rocket science. I go. You know, I'm going to explain you how to get from point A to point B. Um, you know, you can see it in their face sometimes if they're retaining it or they're not retaining it. Yeah. And uh, I have no problem asking them <laughs> right after I say something to them. I go, do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you don't, <laughs> yes. this is a waste of time. So yeah. If I have to explain it again, let me explain it again. When their face yep. is glossed over. Like... And then when you do have to explain it again, then you realize they didn't understand last time. <laughs> Correct. It's well, awesome. You and Bobby have similar accents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I am from Same Boston. <laughs> Everything's wicked this up here, kid. I love it. I love it. Is that the topic of conversation anywhere you go that's outside of Boston? All the time. I have a yeah. very thick Boston accent. So he's got I, like I'm, a South he's got like a Southie Boston accent. Yeah. So I'm my my it's just terrible. Everywhere I go, they're like, ah, oh, how the Celtics doing, kid? I'm like, oh, <laughs> great. You know? Great, yeah. You know, that's another thing up here. We call 
like grown men, kids. Like, so mm -hmm. I'm at a, I'm at a golf tournament with some other guys the other day, and uh, you know, I, I called this guy. He's 55 years old. I'm like, Mikey, kid, come on, what are you doing? He's like, dude, I've been called kid since we were in the neighborhood. I'm like, sorry, buddy. Sorry, buddy. I'm working I, with the young guys. That, is that correct that you guys call people that aren't from Boston toonies? No, I've never heard that. What is it I've called? I've never heard that. Toonie? A toonie. Sounds New York. No. No. Huh. It's definitely it's not like, here. I mean, it's like a guppy. It's like somebody that's not from there. Oh. No. No, we just call them travelers. That's all yeah. we call them. <laughs> yeah. Nomads. You're just a traveler. Nomads. Yep. Oh, Lost great. souls. Tourists. Are you working yes. with fire? Do you work with fire pumps a lot? Uh, I do. I've installed do. a couple, um, taken a couple of classes on repairs and whatnot. I, I've been trying to get my shop actually to do more work with repairs. Um, okay. It's very scary for the, some of these companies to bid that work because they don't know what they're going to be getting into. Once you lift that panel off, I mean, you know, the, the top off that fire pump. They're always nervous that you're not going to be able to get it back together the right mm -hmm. way or get it work, get it back working at least that day. And, but, you know, if you're trained correctly, you can. What percentage of fire protection companies would you say do fire pumps and all fire sprinkler, fire extinguisher, everything? Uh, not many over here. Not many in Boston. I mean, okay. it's very divided up. We have one company that specializes in fire pumps. Mm. And, and sometimes a lot of the other companies will hire them. But a lot of the base, the base companies in Boston will do, you know, from top to bottom sprinklers. Um, we actually have other businesses that do a lot of the, um, that do the, uh, the um, fire extinguishes. So anything that is a water-based sprinkler system is mm -hmm. what our companies mostly do. I mean, we do foam systems, obviously, but that's a water-based system, also. So. Yeah, but like extinguishers and and gas stations and and kitchen hoods. I don't. We don't have. I don't have that license. Yeah. So in Las it's Las a, Vegas, Las Vegas, there's there's probably ten sprinkler companies <laughs> that are full service fire protection companies that do everything. There yeah. are. Do you? There is a couple Places? companies here that just do residential sprinkler systems only. That's all they do is they do CPVC all day. Mm. And then there's also companies that just do fire extinguisher services and refills and hydros. Yes. And, and that's all they do. So there is a toss up in the Vegas Valley with uh, companies what, that are you full service ACES? My company is full service. We do everything. Yeah. Mm. Kitchen hoods, kitchen hoods, Ansel systems, fire extinguishers, underground inspections. We do fire hydrants, Airport. We do fire pumps, testing and maintenance, installation, Sick. fire alarm. Mm, that's a lot to know. That's like majestic. It's a lot. And it's a lot of turning parts. And, you know, think about every single material used in just installing a sprinkler system in a building. You know, you, your, mm. your skews of how many different items that you'd have to keep stocked on a shelf. Truth. And you times that by every single alarm radio or or panel or motherboard to everything down to the wire nut to the wire yep it, wow. it's a lot of material to keep track of for sure it sounds it i guess mike and eric do you guys do you guys fabricate uh like a ground up job at your warehouse or facility do you have a fabrication department yeah oh yeah we do okay uh but sometimes the they can't keep up so what ends up happening you know we got to send out to the uh local fab shops and Sure. Fab it up for us. 
Yeah, I, I have a full fabrication <clears throat> division too in a shop with guys welding on tables and welding mains and making branch lines and pre-cutting drops and arm overs. So that in itself, that, I mean, that's that's a huge undertaking. Oh, yeah. You, know, you got to have all that material delivered to your shop. You got to have your designer design and draw the thing, make sure it calcs out and correctly works. Then you got to make a cut sheet. Then the cut sheet goes to the fabrication department. They weld it all together, make it all. I go out there and look at it, and it's like you welded a half-inch outlet on all the three-quarter bungs. <laughs> Bro, you, you fabricated the entire job with the wrong size outlet, you know? Oh. And it, then it goes back to communication. We've done jobs like that, but Grab mostly like, yeah, our, our department will do something where it's supposed to be all American made pipe and they'll give us stuff from like Taiwan. Yeah. And then, then I'm cutting out hard ceilings and mm -hmm. dragging pipe out of it. And, you know, there's a fancy person with an iPad and they come check in, they read the pipe. They're like, pipe says China, take it down. Yep. Yeah. Certain MIT, jobs. MIT, MIT is notorious for it. You don't, why we ever try to get anything by those guys? The guy, the the guy who runs the they are so on, good. They are. He, so he's on quality. This is a quality control company, or no? It's the I'm, guy. He runs the fire department connect. Ah, fire department connection. See that? He runs the fire <laughs> protection department there. So he's like the head engineer for MIT. You know, he's okay. like really big wigs and um loves loves fire protection, loves all that stuff. Um, so he's always always asking for like the latest pressure switch or you know some type of new gadget that comes he, wa out he wants start. the test and drain to open from oh, the panel yes for the solenoid yeah we're putting in yeah it's crazy mit the massachusetts wow. uh institute for technology they have they have their own fire guy okay fire suppression specialist that checks every nut and bolt you put in and Watch he is he's the ahj he's the authority having jurisdiction over every install every new ground up building in boston Just checking every groove he can in cambridge cambridge in cambridge yes yep. so you cross so you, you cross that bridge it's two different it's two different um jurisdictions yes he, but he i mean there is the um you know the cambridge inspector but he's worse than the cambridge inspector so no, he's, is he so is that like a subdivision of the building department or does he work for the fire department? Like, you know, I'm trying to figure out like works for MIT. MIT how do they, how do they become that jurisdiction? How do they become the AHJ in that? Because if we are installing in their building, he has yep. the right to um, tell us yeah. what we can use and what we can't use. Um, so we work in a lot of hospitals. We're not allowed to use um, flex drops. You know what I mean? Everything has yeah. to be high pipe, uh, okay. you know, and that's, that's, it goes with insurance companies. Everything goes back to the insurance companies. Sure. So it's, uh, it's uh, I think it's, what is it called? The global standard um, yep. with, uh, with MIT. I mean, I've literally installed a three quarter inch head over um, a piece of duct work that was three feet long and one foot wide, and then had to put another three quarter inch head underneath it because <laughs> they wanted to make sure we had enough, um, enough protection. I'm like, I'm like, all right, whatever you guys want. Yeah, the NFPA says that any obstruction over four foot wide has to have a head under it, though. So Correct. you don't you don't use the NFPA as your as your standard to argue the fact. Not they with have, them. No, yeah, no. We just do what they tell us to do. We bid the job, you know, whatever they want us to do to install. I'm not going to argue with them because it's they money, will win. Right? They'll win. Absolutely. And he's the one. Oh, yeah. He he just wants to hear yes sir, no sir. You know. And that's what I do to him. I, I let him I let him play with the valves and stuff if he wants to. 
Okay. And open this up. Let me show you. Let me show you how to use the dry, uh, your new low pressure dry system. You know, and he loves so it. So in in Boston, do you have a state certification that a fitter would have to have in their wallet to physically touch, install, maintain, or work on fire suppression systems? Yes, you have to have a state license. Yes. The the fitter himself. Yes. Oh okay. yeah. The fitter himself has to have it. So in, in Las Vegas, Nevada, we have to have what's called a G card. So what's here, that? here we call it a G card. So it's issued to the employee through the state fire marshal's office. Okay. And, and how it, certifi it certifies that individual that he has been tested and can work on life safety equipment. So if I'm physically not on site and my apprentice gets there before I do, by law, he can't even go close the control valve and drain the sprinkler system until I'm physically on site. Same here. Yeah. Same. Okay. Same. California. But in LA. California. Is that what you there? Yeah, there's a fitters card. Yep. Mm -hmm. The yep. fitters card. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, and then there's a card for there's an F card for fire alarm. There's an I card for standpipe. There's a G card for sprinklers. There's a GU card for underground. Wow. There's an E card for extinguishers. Mm. Wow. So, you have to depend on what it is you do. You have to have all these cards and certifications to even do your job. So most mm -hmm. alarm guys have just an F card. Kitchen guys got to have a, a kitchen card. You know, Ansel guys got to have an Ansel card. Backflow prevention guys that work on backflow devices got to have a backflow certification. And if you have all these cards, you got to put them in like what? In a five gallon bucket? That's not going to fit in a wallet. I, they, they give you a card that goes in your wallet. I, I have five. Oh, and it just has the whole alphabet on it? It's basically G, G, U, F, I. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And they're, and That's you, have interesting. To renew, you have to renew that license every year. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's pretty regulated. I would really like to know, Eric, what you think about new fire protection technology. How do you see it influencing us? Do you see it in a way that it creates more jobs for us or it takes away or it complements both? What, what do you think? As I've seen with uh, all the new technology, for the most part, it's going to be taking our jobs away. Everything's faster. Oh, goodness um, I tell people all the time, um, when I first got in the van, everything had a cord on it. Now everything in my van is cordless. Even mm. my threading machine is cord. I don't even have a, I don't even carry a 300 anymore. I have the cordless uh, Milwaukee handheld. Um, <laughs> you, who'd you get that from? Yeah, exactly. You know who. And, um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, everything just goes faster. I was just talking to uh, one of the Potter reps. They actually have cordless um cordless devices now, uh, sensors that um, don't need to be wired anymore. Hmm. They'll be using their batteries will last a year. Um, wow. wow. It, they're, they're expensive and they're not ready yet. I mean, they got the, the self, um, the flow switch. It will, it, all you have to do is hit a button and it will indicate that it's going off. You don't even have to flow water anymore. They'll hmm. say, oh, this, this indicates that it's gonna go off for 45 seconds. Um, you know, by the water pressure that supposedly is in the pipe, the, um, clap, the flap, the flap will actually go off and they say that that's going to be, um, if testing it, I, I think you still have to flow water, but this is what Potter is trying to do. Hmm. Wow. Well, do you, so you think you know, everything will stay water-based though? I hope so. I mean, there's the, it's not cheap enough to go the other way yet. 
you know, everything has to be water-based. It's, it's, that is, has to, has to stay. So that's, that is a good aspect of it. Good well, aspect. Let's think, let's Go think about that for a minute. So, I mean, there's only, you take the fire triangle, you have fuel, oxygen, and heat. There's only three ways to suppress, extinguish, or prevent a fire. And it's to remove one of those three, you know, one of those three points from the triangle. Right. So I, there's not, there's not that many options. No. You're, you're either, you're either, you're either covering the fuel with a non, a non-growing fuel. Mm-hmm. You're removing the heat or you're replacing the oxygen with something else. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't see water-based fire protection systems going anywhere. The technology yeah. is advancing. Like Eric is saying in high rises in Vegas. Now, you back in the day, you'd physically have to climb the stairs or take the elevator to the 50th floor and close the control valve in the stairwell to control the 50th floor. Mm. Now they have devices where you can stand in the fire control room and just say that you want to isolate and drain floor 47. You push a button and floor 47 control valve shuts, and then mm. you push another button and floor 47 drains. Mm. Wow. And by the time you get your equipment, in the elevator and get to the floor, the floor is drained and you can pull the first drop out and there's no water there. I don't like that. Yeah, hmm. it's it's pretty interesting. Who pushes the button? There's a fire command officer that's has a G card that's stationed there 24-7. They work I different. only like it if I get to push the button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to have an F card to push the button because it's fire alarm. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, so I, I see the technology advancing that way. But as for removing the human element, there's always going to have to be physically somebody always, always that screws people. the pipe together, tightens the sprinkler head in, and can feel as he's tightening it in that that's not going to leak. Or mm. as he's tightening it in, yeah, that's going to leak. Give it one more turn. Mm. So I don't line it up with the last one. Yeah, I just don't see the human element being removed. I see technology advancing and and, and the people in the industry having to become more educated and learn the newest, coolest thing. Mm-hmm. So we all drive brand new trucks right now. You pop the hood on it, though. I can't tell you what anything on the hood does. And it's all plastic. Yeah. But stuff like that under the hood still breaks. And we got to be able to take it out and replace it with a new plastic thing that's going to break in a year. Truth. But back in the day, your car wouldn't start. It was either not getting fuel. It wasn't getting spark. And yep. it was pretty simple to figure that stuff out back then. Yep. So it just, the technology is going to keep advancing and keep changing, keep getting better. At what point does it become a hindrance and it's not helping the industry? Truth. So like, like Eric was saying, they're going to have these sensors and all these Potter flow switches that are ran off a of battery. Well, now that's just something else that needs to be regulated. You're going to have to test the battery every six months. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to, you're going to have situations where the battery doesn't hold a charge and it goes bad. And then there's a fire a week later and it doesn't operate the way it should. I just mm-hmm. see a lot more harm coming to it than good. Yep. Same. So, Yes. Because now we're talking power. We're talking the infrastructure and, yeah. in, you know, uh, you know, sensors, the internet, anything when it goes down, where yeah. these, you know, the, I, are these switches going to be automatically in trouble? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's why the manual operation and the basic idea behind an automatic sprinkler, a water filled pipe and all yeah. that stuff is still done the exact same way it is now. 
that it was done by Richard Parmalee when he owned his yeah. piano factory in London. Yeah. He's the guy that invented the automatic sprinkler head. Yeah. And I the guy built pianos in a factory. He yeah. wasn't a sprinkler guy. He was tired mm -hmm. of, his, of his factory burning down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, when computers were computers were first made, I feel as if like our grand great grandfathers were probably like, no, computers, no way. There's no way they could better our life. There's absolutely no way. I wonder if this it's is true. one of those. I wonder if this is one of those situations. It could be. I mean, I, I just, you know, like we, we, we like we literally just can't see how it can make it better. We could we can only see because I agree with Tyson. You know, I don't think, you know, you can only go so far in my personal opinion. But, you know, maybe there's hadn't been an Elon Musk in Tyco yet, you know? Maybe. 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 I mean, I'm just saying everything with Victolic that they're doing where they're making those, you know, grooved elbows that, are, you know, the elbows aren't even grooved anymore. They got the couplings on both sides. They're just trying to make everything, you know, quicker, faster. Uh, only one side needs to be bolted together now. Um, everything that they're coming out with is supposed to make everything faster, which is fine with me. I mean, I understand that's the industry and we're all sprinkler fitters. We always try to get the job done as fast as we possibly can. Mm. Um, my, my thing, my worry is um, when these things start breaking and they're electrical devices, who do you call now? Are they calling an electrician to do this job or are they sure. calling a sprinkler fitter? Um, I don't know about you guys, but we're not allowed to do any wiring whatsoever. Um, mm. I can test them. You know, I'll bring a, a multimeter and test them myself. I know how to do those type of things, but yeah. You know, some some of these things, that's what I get most nervous about is if our job, our service department is going to be taken over by electricians. And I do not want to see that, mm, especially yeah. when we flow water, you know, that, you know, we're impairing a system whenever we flow water. That should always be a sprinkler fitter. It should not be an alarm guy in the aspect of uh, electrician. Louder. Yep. Say it louder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Victoria has got a new drain pipe. It's a flexible braided hose. We have and a couple I've seen that, it. that eliminates you having to thread, you know, a piece of two inch and put a 90 on it and then go out the building and put a 45 on it. I mean, it's just two yeah. connections and you just make a stub out piece through the brick wall that big. Mm. And dude, it's like, how come you guys couldn't come up with this thing 15 years ago? Yeah. yeah. But then, but then this braided flex hose is $300. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I can buy a piece of schedule 42 inch pipe and thread my own main drain and <laughs> it'd take me 20 minutes to thread it. And I'm only going to spend like maybe $4 <laughs> yeah. for the, for the pipe. So at what point do all these cool new bells and whistles just become like a visual, like stimulation and not actually sure. worth it. These are great points. Very great points. I agree. I think that's one thing with uh, the new Victolic um, flex heads. They have the one inch, um, the one inch coupling ones. I, yeah, I just coupling. So expensive. They're so yeah. expensive, and I just don't see that. You're not making up the labor time with that. I mean, they're, they're these big, these big million. We're, we're doing million square foot warehouses in Vegas now. They're they're bringing Amazon, all these Amazon warehouses out here. Amazon's big deal right now, and the ESFR early suppression fast response sprinkler heads that go in these big warehouses that have a huge K factor. Um, I guess they figured the amount of time people were wasting putting Teflon tape on threads and then screwing the sprinkler head into the actual welded fitting and then putting a crescent wrench on there and tightening the head was, er was burning up hours. They literally make those ESFR heads with just a groove now. What? 
Yeah. Really? And you stick the sprinkler head on a welded grooved outlet and put a coupling on it. And it's just one bolt and you hit it with your impact and you move to the next one. <laughs> so wow. we're doing some, uh, we're doing some um, Amazon warehouses. We don't have those yet, but yeah, that's the Victaulic's making them and they're, they're rad, but that's twice the price of a box of those, you know, than a normal ESFR head is. Exactly. But I guess wow. if you're paying, if you're paying your fitters 40 to 30, 30 to $40 an hour, and they're killing 25 hours of, uh, of work week, just tightening heads in, and you can cut that in half. I don't know. At what point does the price difference become worth buying those? If you're right. doing, if you're doing 5,000 of those, I could understand that, but you wouldn't buy a, you know, a little tiny warehouse where you got to put in like 70 ESFRs. It's not worth buying those for that job. Do you guys have any outlandish ideas about technology ideas? Like your, your own? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought up a cool one a while back, but let's hear it. Let's hear it. What is it? So forest fires. Cause I live up North by Mount Charleston and yeah. it's a big ski resort destination area. Mm-hmm. And every year during the fire season, they, there's some wildfires and wildfires have plagued, you know, California and, and plagued a lot of places where these trees and overgrowth and pine needles accumulate. What's the number one reason why people's houses catch fire in forest fires? It's because the hot ambers from the fire get blown in the wind and they land on the roofs of these buildings and they combust other debris that's been on the roof. And that's how people are losing their houses because people's houses usually have a, an area around them where there's no trees. Yep. So the fire is not being caused by a tree falling on the house. Mm-hmm. The fires are getting caused because those hot amber coals are flying through the air and landing on the roof and starting a fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why not make a giant fire retardant blanket that basically just unfolds and goes over all four corners of your house. Genius. And eliminates the hot ambers from landing on your roof. Brilliant. And it, and, and, it, and it looks like shingles. Basically, or it's, it's in a giant roll on the roof, down the spine of the roof. And when it's fire and there's a fire in your area, you go up there and you turn a handle and it unrolls and rolls out and goes all the way down the side of your house. And then you get in your car and you evacuate. And, and hopefully it, with a lot of testing and money, you'd come back and your house would be the only one still standing after you roll the tarp back up. Right. Nice the patent in where you left it. Y'all better write the patent, write it up, write it up. <laughs> so I, I was just me thinking about that. And, you know, uh, it's, it's again, it comes down to money and right. R and D and, and development and research and trying to create that. Cause they have those blankets for fire smoke eaters. Yeah. yeah. The guys that mm-hmm. jump out of airplanes mm-hmm. and if they're trapped in a, an area and they get caught behind the fire line, they yeah. can actually hunker down and put that blanket over and tuck it in mm-hmm. and it, prevents them from getting hot ambers on them and you know being in direct line of that heat mm. i was thinking about putting a a speaker inside the butts of cigarettes and when it when it's thrown on the ground it automatically goes make sure you don't throw me in the forest make sure i'm in smith <laughs> <laughs> or just such an annoying noise yeah yeah just you got, any good, you got any good flood stories, Eric? Uh, I don't. You want me to break them out already? <laughs> oh, dude, you got to give a good flood story, and then we got to go because we're already an hour in. Um, 
Uh, let me think. I got a good I, one. Sure. I could go if you don't. All right, want why, to. Don't you go, why don't you go? Because I wasn't <laughs> ready for that. I wasn't ready for it. I'll, I'll, save, it. I'll save it for another day. So I have one good flood that I caused at uh, at EFP. It was no longer in business. I was uh, I was in my second year. We're going back to 2010. I was working directly under my father. My father had got cancer, so he went to go get cancer treatment that day, and I was going alone just to hold it down. And the uh, it was concealed heads through Quinnipiac University. And all the plates were down, casting a shadow by an eighth of an inch. The super was all over it. So we're going around. We were going around with a breaker bar, and I had been doing this for a whole week. And we were I was on, like, my last floor, and I was just – cranking the heads till I got rid of that gap and I made it to a room that was, I was shutting the systems down as well. And this one was off. I, I shut the wrong system down and this one was off a cheater that someone had already buried. And I snapped it. I put, I, I just one little boom, bro. I had a 35 gallon barrel that I put right under it. When I tell you it filled up in two seconds, just right over. I was like, oh, uh oh. So I run to the uh I run to the butterflies that were we were in a college that was just about to open. So all the butterflies are locked with the little discs, you know, little plastic disc that goes yes. around the butterfly with the lock, and then they had yeah. the red they had the red seismic cable made so you couldn't open the drain. And my father, old school as he was, made me always carry a hacksaw. So I had the hacksaw, I had got the bucket, got the hacksaw. I'm standing top of the bucket trying to soft that seismic cable for the drain, soft that little disc to shut it down. I had a partner that was in the pump room, but man, we, we flooded, we flooded some shit. Oh my oh, man. It was, uh, I was in the final stages. So luckily there was a lot of laborers around and they just turned their, they turned their finished dust vacuums right into wet vacs and just started sucking it up for me. And it was, Oh man. Oh man. And it was a long, it was a long ride home. And then uh, I never, I didn't have the heart to tell pops and they cleaned it up so good that he didn't find out. Oh no, wow. really? Yeah. That is amazing. He had just did cancer treatment all day. He's like, how'd it go? I was like, went good. <laughs> it went good. Uh, I, to I told him uh, months and months later, you know, it was, dude, it came out quick. Everything <laughs> happened so fast, you know, that, uh, that barrel fills fast. One it second. That's it. Just, yep. I just walked. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> so the fire pump was off though, huh? There was um had a guy that I was working with and he was in the fire pump room doing some doing some final things. So he said he was sitting there, had the radio going. All of a sudden, that fire pump turned on. He knew something was wrong, so he shut it off and came to find me. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's half the battle right there. I mean, if you wouldn't have got that thing shut down, you would have been dealing with twice the amount of water. It's just disgusting mm -hmm. how much. Water I was 120 miles from home. Oh man, wow, and. uh yeah, I've been like super safe ever since. No floods. Smart. Well, you guys, we are over an hour. This was by far the most easy flowed podcast we've ever had. So thank you so much for um, coming on, Eric. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, Tyson, it was really awesome to have you on. Uh, and uh, Bobby as well. And I look forward to episode six, whatever that might be. Um, Eric. If there's one thing that you can give uh, as far as advice to anyone who is uh, just peeking into the fire protection industry and just maybe a little interested, uh, but they don't know yet, what would you say to those people? I would uh, tell them it's a great industry. And um, I would tell them uh, it builds a lot of character, a lot of great guys and girls that work in this industry. Um, and, you know, it's not like any other industry that, you know, 
I'm going to say it again. You know, we save lives. Mm. As simple as that. And what, what else can you ask for to go to work and feel rewarded for something like that? Oh, so good. So well said. All right, guys. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, thanks, guys. Everybody have a great night. The Fire Protection Roundtable.